the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Factors not available in all states. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
He's fairer than Mimi's of rarest blue. He's sweeter than honey from out of the Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Is it so hard to serve the Lord? Is it so hard to serve the Lord? Almighty God, would you remove the veil from my eyes and the eyes of each who has come to hear your word, that your word can penetrate and divide bone from marrow, Thank you, mighty God. Thank you for meeting us in this house tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The book of Acts is the book of the church. It is the story of God stepping into a body of people and beginning to work incredible miracles. We find them gathered first as the church, as a prayer meeting. Church is first of all a prayer meeting. And we find God's people gathered in the upper room, 120 of them, and they're praying. They're seeking the face of the Lord. They are earnestly desiring to be filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Then we find Pentecost. That awesome outpouring of the Spirit of the living God with great wonder, signs, and manifestations. We find the disciples now all speaking with power the word of God. 
we find the church of 120 has suddenly exploded to 3,000 men, probably six or 7,000 people altogether, including women and children. So suddenly, overnight, this congregation, without any marketing techniques, without handing out any literature, this congregation has, by the breathing in of the Holy Spirit, suddenly exploded and is now making an impact on the city of Jerusalem that is shaking this city to its very... It's as though a bomb were set off in the middle of the city. And it's all the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not human flesh power. It's not human willpower. It's not human cunning. It's not human desire. It is the desire of the Holy Ghost. And he is pouring through these people. And the city is looking in wonder. Some are scornful, saying they're just drunk. They've had too much to drink. Always when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a dividing. Those who will scorn the work of the Spirit and those who will allow the Spirit full reign in their hearts. Then we find this people unified, functioning as a body, no longer claiming anything of their own but saying, whatever is necessary, I'll give. Whatever is needed, and if I have it, I give it. We find them gathering day by day in the homes. We find teaching going on in the living rooms and in the general meeting house. Every day, God is adding to the fellowship those that he is calling. Then we find the devil stepping in with Ananias and Sapphira and trying to destroy the unity of the church because if he can destroy the unity of the church, the power of the Spirit will withdraw and he will win. And God judges them, takes their life as a warning. Don't try to play with the unity of God's people. Then we find the powerful testimony going forth with authority men and women's lives being transformed by the gospel. We find now a congregation of 5,000 people after the healing of the man who was born a cripple. They had money. They could have given him money. They just had to go back and pick it up at the church. The church was giving to anyone who had need. But no, they didn't mount a campaign to take care of the homeless. They transformed the homeless into a righteous man who would seek after Jesus Christ. And now they have a congregation of probably 15,000 men and women and children. A large gathering. Now this congregation will continue to meet for approximately 15 years. And at the end of that 15-year period, the fist of persecution will come down on that church and it will cease to be a Jewish entity and it will be splattered like water over all of the then known world. Barnabas will head for India. Different apostles will head to different regions. Peter, James, 
the brother of Jesus, John. They'll remain in Jerusalem as the core. But the church now will be greatly reduced in numbers because now we have men and women going to Antioch. And once in Antioch, they begin to speak for the first time to the Gentiles about the fullness of this gospel. And there in this place, they are called for the first time Christians. And it's a term of scorn. Those are the Christ followers. The Christ followers. But that term, Christ follower, became a badge of honor. It was an honor to die as a martyr for the sake of Jesus Christ. These were men and women who walked in what the church was named. It was named the Church of the Way. The Way. That's what the Christian faith was called. It was called the Way because it was a path. It was a pilgrimage. It wasn't something that you go to. It was something you became. It was a way. It was a path. It was a pilgrimage. It was a journey. And as we've so often shared here, when Jonathan Edwards, speaking about this issue, said, when you're on a journey and you come to a pleasant hotel, you don't say, oh, this is a wonderful hotel. I think I'll just live here. No, because your eye is on where you're going. And you're on a journey. And so you say, thank you for this wonderful resting place tonight. Tomorrow I'm back on the journey. That was the Christian faith as it was founded in the scriptures. It was the way. It was the movement. It was the walking toward the kingdom of God. And everything else had to give way for this. Houses, land, families, husbands, wives. Everything had to give way to be on this way And if a husband was not on the way, or if a wife was not on the way, the scriptures say that if they will allow you to continue to live with them, live with them because your righteous life will sanctify your spouse. But if they refuse to let you walk in the way, if they refuse to live with you if you're walking in the way, then let them go. I mean, this this word is not sentimental. It's for life and death. It's for eternity. Now, let's speak about one other issue briefly. There is a a myth that is growing up at the National Prayer Chapel. We need to deal with that myth. That myth is that it is hard to follow Jesus. That it's, that it's difficult to follow Jesus. And some would even refer to the National Prayer Chapel with a half smile saying, this is a boot camp for Jesus. This myth of being hard to follow Jesus is a lie. The Lord would come to us tonight and he would say, is it so hard to follow me? Is it so hard to follow me? And his answer to that question is absolutely not. Let me share with you just quickly what he had to say about this subject. Matthew, the 11th chapter, 
verse 28. Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When Jesus looks at the church, he sees a people who are burdened and weighed down by the ways of the world. You hear this. The difficult, hard part of our life is walking under the burden of sin in the world. One of the lies that Satan brings to our heart, he says, what is sweet is bitter and what is bitter is sweet. Always Jeremiah spoke against that. And so we would come to the body of Christ, and we would say, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to live a righteous life. And Jesus would say, you're putting sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. It is not hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to walk under the devil. The devil is is a difficult taskmaster. Jesus is not... The way of the cross is not the way of burdensome difficulty. I was sharing this with one of you, and you very aptly put it. You said it is only difficult to follow Jesus when you're handcuffed to the world. Now that's the truth. If life is difficult for you following Jesus, it's because you're handcuffed to the devil. And Jesus Christ has the key to set you free. Pay attention to what your spirit is saying. If your spirit is saying this is a difficult, burdensome walk, know you're handcuffed to the devil. And it's time to get free. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. The devil is not gentle. He says, I am humble in heart. The devil is not humble of heart. He's arrogant and brutal, demanding. Jesus comes into our lives gently. He comes with a humble heart. And he says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So tonight as you're walking in the way, if the burden is heavy that you're carrying, it's because you're handcuffed to the devil and you've got to have that handcuff taken off And you've got to be set free in Jesus to walk in the lightness and the joy and the rest of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've noticed a person goes to a job and they're so delighted to have that job. Wonderful job. Oh, you should have heard them before they had the job. Oh, could I have a job, Jesus? Could I have an income, Jesus? Yes, you may. You may go to work here, and this is how much money I'm going to funnel to you. And a short time after, they've been at that job working. 
boy, they don't treat you right around here. I don't like the way they treat me. You know, if this were my job, if this were my company, I'd, I'd do it righteous. And suddenly, an undercurrent of discontent and bitterness begins to flow from that person. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back here, you were saying, thank you for the wonderful job. But over here, you're saying, ah, this job. Got to get up every morning and go to this job. I hate this job. Hate this job. Well, maybe you need to be back here on the other side without a job. Find out how much of a burden it is to walk without a job. Can't provide for your family. Can't take care of business because you don't have a job anymore. Then this job over here might look wonderful. But you see, we like to get into this moaning and complaining and groaning mode where we say, ah, life's tough. I'm so tired of hearing people say life is tough. Life is not tough unless you're handcuffed to the devil. If you're free in Jesus, it's easy. The burden is light. Joy is welling up in your heart. You're saying, thank you, Jesus. Now, please let me share something. Hear my heart here. I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm not condemning. I understand we're being taken through a process, and it's a healing process. You all understand what a healing process is? Some of you know. Let me just share it. When you become sick, you get headaches, you have chronic problems that begin to emerge, you're sinking down, you're getting worse, and you're getting worse. Well, when you turn around and begin to get better, you hit healing crises. Those headaches come back. Those symptoms come back. But the difference is this time you're coming up out of it. In other words, the body repairs itself by going through the same things it went through to get that sick. So you've got to know, am I getting worse or am I getting better? And I understand we've all been going through this process and, and we've been going through healing crises in our spiritual lives where God is dealing with us and and sometimes those are very painful. But lest we think that's the Christian walk, search carefully the first chapters of the book of Acts and tell me if anywhere in those scriptures you can find God's people struggling and stumbling over sin. Seemingly strangely absent from the New Testament church is this overwhelming concern for my sin. Do you know why? They gained the victory. They'd already crossed the bridge. They dealt with their sin. You see, you don't stand up in front of the crowd of people and teach them about Jesus when you're a fisherman unless you know that you're speaking the truth. And then when they're coming and they're confronting you and they're putting you in jail for speaking that word, you better know that you're speaking a word that you have experienced and that you have walked in. 
And then when an angel comes and opens the prison and says to you, now go out and speak the full word about Jesus in the temple, and you walk out of that place late at night, the guards are as though dead, you walk out, you go back to your family, and you say, the angels told us we had to appear, all of us apostles had to appear tomorrow in the temple preaching now, you better know you're walking in something that's real. You've already spent one night in jail. You've already been walking with a man who has died on the cross for doing what you're now being asked to do. There's no room here for the sentimental stuff that is soft on our sin. There's no room here to say, well, I'm growing and and I'm making progress, and I'll grow and make progress the rest of my life. Wait a minute, it's not about you making progress. It's about you rising up in the name of Jesus, being filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, and walking in victory and obedience to what Jesus has called you to do. See, somehow we've convinced ourselves that we've got the rest of our lives to kind of play around and deal with this sin stuff. We don't have the rest of our lives. There's a whole nation dying to get a, a glimpse of a man or woman who's sold out to Jesus and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't have the rest of our lives. There's a city to win. And so if, if I want to play around with my sin and, and talk about how burdensome it is to walk with the Lord, how difficult it is to walk with the Lord, if I want to talk about what a, what a terrible thing this is. I mean, I can play with the devil the rest of my life. And some of you walk into your household and you know you and your household are playing with the devil. You know that. You've been convicted by the truth. There's not a one of you in this house tonight who hasn't heard the regular preaching of the word. You know the truth. But now the question is, will you get merciless with your sin and come on through that stuff and walk in freedom under the yoke of Jesus, which is easy and is light? I mean, do you understand that it's not complicated? I thought Brother David was going to steal my sermon tonight. To understand, it's not hard. It's simply making a decision. And then walking in that decision under the grace of Jesus. He has not kept us short of power to gain victory. He has not disappointed us in opening the way before us. I have to make a decision. Am I going to consciously walk in obedience to Jesus or am I going to unconsciously walk under the bondage of Satan? Those are the choices. Am I going to continue to play with my angry spirit? Am I going to continue to play with demanding that I have to control everything and that it has to be my way? Am I going to continue playing with the notion that I can allow my family to live in any way they want, and I'm going to fawn on them? 
Am I going to continue to play the worldly game? Or am I going to come apart and say, Jesus, I don't care what other people think. I don't care what they say. I care what you think and what you say, and I'm going to follow you. And then the decisions become very simple. Very simple. The car breaks down. Jesus, what do you want to do about your car? There's a shortage of money. Jesus, what do you want to do about this shortage of money? Somebody treats us in a way that we think is very offensive. Jesus was very clear. Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Jesus, how can I serve this person who has wronged me? Jesus, how can I clean up the mess that I've made as I reacted in my flesh? See, these are not hard decisions. If you're not handcuffed to the devil. If you're handcuffed to the devil, he's going to say, no, you're my prisoner. You come on over here. You can shout, say anything you want about Jesus, but you're going to walk my way. There's no victory in Jesus for you. You belong to me. And somewhere, you've got to finally stop that and say, Jesus, I belong to you. And devil, I resist you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I will not feel that way. I will not think that way. I will not walk that way. I will obey you, Jesus. Even through the tears, I will obey you because you said, it was easy. Now, the devil's convinced me it's hard. I don't believe the devil anymore. I believe your word. So, Jesus, walk me through this. Get your yoke around my neck and get the devil's handcuff off me. You understand now, everything shifts. The presence of Jesus comes to us in direct proportion to the radical steps of obedience that we make in response to his call. His absence from our heart and the coldness of our heart is in direct proportion to our being willing to be handcuffed and led by the devil. And so at some point, we have to begin to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not willing to walk under this heavy, hard burden of the devil any longer. I need to walk where it's easy. I need to walk with a, a yoke that is light. I'm tired of the heavy yoke of Satan on my heart. Do you know the joy it is to wake up in the morning and your eyes pop open and up out of your heart rises songs of praise because you know you are clean before God. You know there is nothing between your heart and his. You know you have no agenda for this day except to please your master. You know that he's the big ox and you're the little ox. And you're just going to go right along with him wherever he goes. You're not going to kick against the goad. You're just going to go right along wherever he takes you. And you're going to say, thank you for pulling the load. Never does Jesus say, you must pull the load. 
Never does he say you must pull the load. Always he says he'll pull the load. Always he picks us up and carries us. If you're pulling the load, it's because you're under the yoke of the devil. Because the devil always makes us pull the yoke. And it's always bitter. And it hurts. It's not Jesus who hurts us. It's our submission to the ways of darkness that cause us anguish. When you wake up in the morning and your spirit is fresh and clean. Do you ever get up in the morning and go in to look at yourself in the mirror and stick your tongue out and see it covered with green? You know you better turn around and go back to bed. You're sick. You know why the doctor says stick your tongue out? It's not so he can see your tonsils, so he can see your tongue. Because he'll know your health by looking at your tongue. Your tongue is a mirror of your body. Well, your tongue is also a mirror of your spiritual body. What flows out of your mouth is the indicator of the condition of your heart. When God wants to know the condition of your heart, all he has to do is examine your tongue. And he knows immediately your condition. You know what it's like to wake up in the morning and have a clean tongue. To know that you've not gossiped. To know that you've not criticized. To know that you've not spoken in such a way to build yourself up and tear somebody else down. To wake up in the morning and know that you've not put a burden of condemnation on somebody else's heart. But to wake up in the morning and your tongue is clean and you sing praises before the Lord and you enter into his presence with thanksgiving. You get into that prayer closet first thing and you open the word and you begin to feast on the things. If you ever wake up in the morning and there's this ugly taste in your mouth because of what you ate just before you went to bed. I used to wake up every morning after I'd had the ice cream at midnight the night before, and this yucky taste on my tongue. Spiritually, you get up in the morning, and you taste the world on your tongue. It's a bitterness that's in your spirit. It's a, it's a hardness that's in your heart. And it comes out on your tongue. And it doesn't taste pleasant. You want to brush your tongue with your toothbrush. You want to somehow clean up your mouth. Do you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and your tongue is clean? And there's no bad taste. You wake up in the presence of Jesus and, and he's awakened you to walk with him for another day. And you awaken and your tongue sings praises to the Lord Jesus. You begin to honor him with your mouth. You begin to say, I trust you for this day. I trust you for where you're going to send me today. I trust you for what you're going to have me say to my brothers and my sisters, to my husband, to my wife. 
Lord God, thank you for anointing my tongue today with joy. I mean, there's no joy that's like that kind of joy. There's no lightness that can come to the spirit like the cleanness of your tongue in the spirit. And now as you begin to sing praises to God, you don't have something in the back of your mind that's saying, yeah, but you should have seen me last night. You should have heard what I said to my wife last night or my kids last night. You should have heard what I was, what I was thinking. No, you don't have that condemnation of the devil coming in on you. You're clean before God. And out of that clean heart, those clean hands, that clean tongue, you begin to praise the name of Jesus. Now I tell you, you're going to walk with joy this day in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now are you going to sin? Probably. But you know what? As soon as that happens, as soon as Jesus reveals that to your heart, you go right to him and you say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Would you wash me? I tell you, there's nothing like the blood of Jesus to wash a man or woman or a boy or girl's tongue. Just wash it, clean it, wipe that stuff away. As you begin to walk this way with Jesus, such joy will come to your heart. Such lightness will come to your step. You won't find yourself walking around needing a Holy Spirit facelift. I mean, some of you came in here tonight looking like you were carrying the burden of the world on your shoulders. I know why. You're handcuffed to the devil. And it's hard being handcuffed to the devil. You're always being pulled two directions. There's always resistance to following the Lord God of heaven because you've got to drag that devil along with you. He's bigger than you. It's hard to pull him with you. And Jesus is saying tonight, will you let me set you free? Will you let me set you free? You don't have to live this hard, difficult walk. I mean, what would you think tonight if, if I had to go on a trip but my suitcase was too big to take out the door. <laughs> right, and so for the next 24 hours, I stand holding onto my suitcase, trying to get this suitcase through the door, and I can't get it through. Now, if you came to me and said, are you having a hard time? I'd say, boy, this is hard. I am worn out trying to get this suitcase through this door. I just can't get it through the door. I have to have my suitcase. I mean, would it be a strange enlightenment if someone came to you and said, why don't you go on your trip and leave the suitcase behind? I mean, now is it hard to get through the door? No. I left the suitcase behind. Some of you tonight need to leave your sin behind. You've been carrying around like luggage. 
You've been loving the things of the world. You've been loving being angry. You've been loving undercutting other people. You've been very happy in your spirit, rising up and being the right one. You know, that's a, that's a difficult piece of luggage to get through the door. No wonder you're worn out trying to follow Jesus. I mean, if I put 150 pounds on my back, it'd be hard to follow Jesus. I'd go staggering after him. I'd be falling under the load. Jesus says, why don't you just cut it off? Let it go. You don't need it. Oh, but Jesus, it's got my favorite pair of jeans in that suitcase. It's got my favorite attitudes in that suitcase. It's got my dreams in that suitcase. How can I go without my money? It's going to be hard to follow Jesus. Look at a scripture with me. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Chapter 30, verse 15. See, I set before you National Prayer Chapel. I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commands, decrees and laws, that you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not and are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. This is Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against the national prayer chapel that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, national prayer chapel, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And then he just says over and over in the next chapter, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. 
why should they be strong and courageous? Because they were going to see the mighty hand of God reach out and subdue nations before them. That is the awesome work of the mighty God of heaven. They were not going to subdue the nations. God was going to subdue the nations. And he's saying to them, be be strong and be courageous because you're going to see the work of God. And I say to you tonight, be strong and courageous for you're going to watch the work of God in the city of Washington, D.C. And get past your sentimental love for your sin and your hard journey. Give up your difficult pilgrimage. Break the handcuff with the devil by going into the prayer closet and once and for all settling that you're going to follow Jesus Christ, that you are choosing life and not death, that you are choosing blessing and not curse, that you are choosing in every area of your life to submit to the Lord God of heaven, to no longer walk in unconsciousness, but to walk fully conscious in the spirit of the living God. That nothing is going to just blow by you anymore. That you're going to be awake and alert. And when the devil comes roaring to devour you, you're going to lift up the shield of faith and with the sword of the spirit, you're going to say, out of here, devil. Get thee behind me. I serve Jesus. I'm not handcuffed to you anymore. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free by the blood of Jesus Christ. So tonight, examine your heart. If this is a hard journey, know that that's because you've been handcuffed to the devil. If following Jesus is difficult for you, If dealing with the sin in your life is difficult for you, know it's difficult because you're trying to get a suitcase through the door that wasn't meant to come through the door. Cut it off. Walk light in the spirit. Walk easy in the spirit. Don't walk in death. Walk in life. Don't walk in curses. Walk in blessings. Don't walk in bitterness. Walk in joy. Don't walk in complaining and groaning. Walk in rejoicing and in praise. I don't care what your circumstances look like. I care who controls your circumstances. His name is Jesus. O mighty one of Israel, I am sorry for every time I have thought of following you as being hard or burdensome. I ask you to forgive me. And Lord God, I ask you to cut me loose from the devil in every possible way that I am still connected or handcuffed. 
Lord, release me and release this congregation. And let us walk in lightness and joy before the Lord. Thank you, mighty King. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress 
brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our This is true.